0: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now, this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10:10. 10, 10. And today we're going to hear the final message in the series called Us and Them as Pastor Sean talks about how to share the good news with people, and here's the good news for you, it's not all on you. What if it took a community to help people come to Jesus? With that continued theme, there is no us in them, there's only us. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free, but if you feel led right now to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. It's part two of the message called Not Alone. Pastor Sean is teaching from Luke chapter 19. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: Three different influences. Yes, we are supposed to influence people, and we are supposed to be a part of that. There will be other believers who are going to be a part of that. So, water. But it's God who's going to bring the increase. God who's going to create the growth. God who's going to change people's lives. So it's not all on my shoulders. So just take a deep breath. He's put us as part of this community. In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. Bringing people to Jesus is always done in community. And this is such an important idea. It's very important. I want you to understand it. Bringing people to Jesus is always done in community. And some of you are saying, Sean, haven't you heard, don't use the words always or never. I have heard that. And I'm blowing it off right now. Because on this one, it is always done in community. No exceptions. You're like, wait a minute, come on. Let me explain. If I met a person who had never ever. Maybe they're on a deserted island and they had never talked to anybody. They never heard anything about Jesus. They had never had any person ever, ever talk to them about Jesus. And I met them and I had a chance to share with them and befriend them and tell them about Jesus. And they're like, oh my gosh, I knew it. And they're just, they they just have this sense and they want to follow Jesus. And they receive the word and they begin to follow Jesus like, well, you were the only one. No, I wasn't because the Holy Spirit was there. God was there. God had invested in their heart. God had spoken by his spirit. And I'll show you that in scripture in just a little bit here. See, even if I'm the only person who ever talks to them, there's a community of me and the Holy Spirit working together to help someone come and discover life by following Jesus. It's never just me. And it's never just you. So that should be a little bit of a relief. Oh, okay, all I have to do is be obedient and play my part to help people experience the life that they were created for in Jesus. Bringing people to Jesus is always done in community. Now, John Burke, who wrote Unshockable, I referenced it a couple weeks ago, great book, great book. He talks about the three-legged stool in regard to kind of how a community can help people find Christ. He says, just as a three-legged stool depends on each leg, God restores his masterpiece in people when three elements work together. He says, one, they are befriended by one Christ follower demonstrating the attitude and actions of Jesus. That's you. One Christ follower befriends someone and just has the attitudes and actions of Jesus in someone's life. Second, they meet a network of Christians who include them in loving community and service. In other words, a group who come around them and just love them and include them. In some of the stuff that's happening and even in some of the service and ministry opportunities. And three, he says, they have a come as you are learning space. A space where they don't have to change. They don't yet have to be a believer. They don't have to act and pretend like they're a believer. They come as you are. This isn't about casual clothing. This is about people being able to come who have questions and are seeking and they want to know more about Jesus, but they're not there yet. And so they can just come as they are. Whatever form that is, they can come. A come-as-you-are learning space. So he says those three things. Well, we're going to propose that a four-legged stool is really what it takes. A four-legged stool. And I want to show you in Luke chapter 10, verse 1 through 9, look what Jesus did. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him. Two by two, very interesting, he sent them in already a little community happening into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. I want you to know the first thing he asked them to do is pray. That's where it started. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Pray for workers. Go, I'm sending you. So you're part of the answer. As lambs in the midst of wolves, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. If a son of peace is there, make note of that phrase. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But just make note, Jesus is is distinguishing between different people. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Know what Jesus tells them to do. Heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us. I pray that we would hear what you want to say. We love you and we're so thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to suggest four key steps, four legs to the stool, if you will, to helping people come and find Jesus. The first is this. Pray intentionally. For those around you. See, this is where it starts. It starts with praying intentionally. A deliberate act saying, Lord, I want to be used by you to be part of the solution in this world. Your kingdom come. Your peace, your love, your grace poured out on people. I want to be part of that. So Lord, and here's your first prayer. When you're praying, you say, what do I pray? Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Let me see what's going on. In people, Let me see beyond my own interests, my own stuff, my own list of things to do. Let me see, God, what you want me to see. Open my eyes. That's the first prayer. Lord, just open my eyes. The second prayer is when God begins to show you something, begin to pray for that person that God puts on your heart. Because what will happen as you pray, Lord, open my eyes. I want to be used to influence people to help them find the life you created them for. He will begin as you're praying. He'll begin to put someone on your heart. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's one of your neighbors. You know, someone on the homeowners association board that you're with. That, you know, as you all terrorize the other residents. You know, oh, I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? I don't know. But just somebody in your circle, and you're praying, Lord, open my eyes. And he does. All of a sudden, there's someone that he puts on your heart, and you begin to sense something there. And now you begin to pray for them. Lord, I just pray your blessing on them. I pray, Lord, that they would hear your voice. I pray that you would draw them to yourself, Jesus. I just ask that you would do your work in them. You just begin to pray for them. And one of the things to look for, and that's where that son, remember what Jesus said, a son of peace. I think what he's referring to is a person who is seeking, who has a hungry heart, and who is open. Because nobody was Christians, Right? There were no Christians. He's not, it's not like if you find a Christian home, stay there. No, there were none. They were going ahead of Jesus, and he was going to come and declare the message of the kingdom. But he hadn't been crucified yet. There are no Christians yet. They're first called Christians at Antioch later on, after the crucifixion, after the day of Pentecost and all that. So if a son of peace is there, I think what he's referring to is a person with an open heart, a hungry and receptive heart. And I, see th- I think that's what you're going to be looking for. As you're praying and as you're just going out, living your life and connecting with people, you'll begin to sense there are people who have an open and a hungry heart. That's who you begin to pray for. See, I think we should expect the work of the Spirit. That's the premise of prayer anyway. What, what good is prayer if we don't expect the work of the Spirit? But look what John 16, beginning at verse 8 says. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. It says, when he comes, he... He will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Good thing. I don't have to be the primary one to convict the world. Not that I don't ever address sin when the, when the opportunity comes up, or not that I don't ever speak the truth regarding those things, but it's his job. And what's beautiful is what this means is every single person that we encounter, every person on earth has been convicted according to the word of God. Do you believe this is true? Every single person has been convicted by the Spirit concerning sin. They understand that there's things in their life that aren't right. Okay, Without me ever telling them, they know. Because the Spirit is really good at his job. Concerning righteousness, they understand that right living, rightness with God. Even if they don't understand it as such, they understand that there's something that there's right and wrong. There's righteousness and judgment. They understand that sin has a consequence and that there is this sense of judgment. Every person, because the Spirit is, is calling in his love and in his persistence and in his speaking of truth in the heart of a person before they ever come to Christ. Jesus said it. He'll convict the world. Concerning sin, because they don't believe in me. Righteousness, because I go to the Father and you'll see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Look, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will lead you in this process. For he'll not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he'll declare to you the things that are to come. That's the power of prayer. You are not on your own. We should pray. Look what he says, even about this issue of what should I say? What do I say if someone asks or have a conversation? Now, here Jesus is specifically talking about persecution. You know, the disciples potentially and ultimately were dragged before authorities. But look what he says. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you're to speak or what you're to say. For what you're to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you don't sweat it just begin to pray as opportunities come up as as you begin to have those opportunities which they will share what god puts on your heart he will speak through you that's what the word says that's what the word promises see bringing people to jesus has always done a community but that community begins first in prayer with his spirit
0: And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro,
1: a listener-supported ministry of River
0: City Community Church in this message called Not Alone in the series Us and Them, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: Second, now here's what you do. Love practically in Jesus' name. Love people practically in Jesus' name. And that word practically is really important. Sometimes we oh, I love, you know, I I, I love the guy who loves mankind but doesn't like people. That's a problem. Love, for it to be real, has to be practical, has to be observable. Okay, It has to be something that's tangible. Love people practically in Jesus' name. And the way you do that, the simple way to do that, Real easy. Choose to be a friend. Choose to be a friend. Because here's the thing. Nobody wants to be a project. And I think sometimes we make people who who we're trying to share the love of Jesus with feel like a project. No one wants to be a project. You want to be a project? Sounds like some weird science experiment to me. I don't want to be a project. But everybody wants a friend. Choose to be a friend. As God puts people on your heart and you're in their world circle, just start choosing to be a friend. Just start loving someone practically and tangibly. Just be available. And whether it's help with the kids when there's a need or, or loan a car when, when, you know, one's in the shop, just be a friend to someone. Bring them into your world. Now, we talked about last week, this takes time and space. And for a lot of us, we're so busy, we cram our lives so full, that's a problem. Well, if you didn't miss last week's message, check it out, it's online. You know, it always involves spending time with people. Go out of your way to demonstrate love. There's such a beautiful illustration. Second Kings chapter 5. There's a man named Naaman. He's a commander of the Syrian army. And he has the condition of leprosy, the disease leprosy. Of course, there's no cure. And he's living on borrowed time and he knows it. Well, he is told that there is a God who heals in Israel. And a man of God who will pray for him so that he can be healed. Well, he ends up going. Goes to the king of Israel. The king of Israel freaks out. How can I do this? What is this? Is this just, they're trying to pick a fight? And the man of God hears about it and says, just send him over. So king tells him where he goes. Now this is a commander of the army. So he has soldiers with him. He has an entourage with him. This is a big deal. He goes up to this little house where the prophet lives. Doesn't even say anything. The prophet's servant comes out. The prophet himself doesn't even come out. Kind of rude if you ask me, but he's a prophet. He can do what he wants. He doesn't even come out. He sends his servant out. Says, says, uh, yeah, go wash seven times in the Jordan River. It's that way. I added the last part. But really, it's, it's, that's, it's that simple. Go dip seven times in the Jordan River, and you'll be made clean. And, and Naaman, this is so not what he expected. He's actually a little insulted. God guy didn't even come out and talk to me. Don't we even have better rivers in Syria that I, I could have washed in? What, what is this? One of his guys, one of his, his soldiers actually kind of, saves him by appealing to him and saying, sir, if, you would, if he would have asked you some big quest, you would have done it, right? Well, go dip seven times in the Jordan River. What do you have to lose? And so he goes and does it, and it said his skin is made clean and new. He's completely healed. Powerful, powerful story of healing. Powerful story of, of God changing a man's heart. But there's a, a, a key to the whole thing is in verses two and three, right at the beginning. Look at, let's look at those together real quickly. Now the Syrians on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel. And she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. This is one of the problems. Syria was raiding into Israel. By the way, after Naaman's healing, this all stopped. But they'd carried off a little girl from the land of Israel. She worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, and look at the language, look at the way it's translated, because this is, this is the spirit of it. Would that my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Look at her love and urgency. Oh, that he were with, the man of God. Because he could pray for him and he would be healed and would cure him of his leprosy. She obviously loved him and had a heart for him. See how she cared for him? Let me ask you, can you do that? We don't even know her name. It's just like a blip. You can just skip right over. But she's the key to the whole story. She just loved and served Her her master, and by the way, her service, she served in such a way that they believed her. This is a little girl. This is a little girl. She's a slave. Something about her love and her service caused caused her to have the credibility to where this commander goes and he does it. Ultimately doing something he considers ridiculous, dipping seven times in the Jordan River. And he is made completely whole. And the raid's... Israel stop can, can you be just that simple servant who loves in Jesus name and who cares enough and when the time comes oh oh there's a god who loves you there's a god who can heal you there is a god who can restore your family there is a god who wants to do something amazing in you can you do that i think any of us can do that loving in Jesus name see if we'll love and serve we can leave the transformation and the changing of people to Jesus I don't have to be the one working and trying to change people. If I'll love and serve in his name, and then speak the truth as he opens that door for me, but if I'll just love and serve, let him be the one who does the changing and the transforming. See, bringing people to Jesus is always done in community. Third thing, invite seekers into a community of friends. Invite seekers into a community of friends. John 13, 34 and 35. This is such a, a foundational verse. Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this all people will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. See, here's the deal. Inviting people into community is the most natural thing in the world because we all desire loving relationships. We all desire loving relationships. If the church can be a place that loves each other, and then as people are connected, we love people. And I mean, what what we're really talking about here at first is just a small group of people, a group of friends, who you just include. You include them in opportunities to serve, you include them in your social opportunities, and they're just hanging around with a group of Jesus people. You're not, trying to, you're not trying to convert them or close the sale all the time. You're just letting them be with us in that group and let them explore Jesus with us. You've got to choose your group carefully, by the way. When you have that small group of people and you're going to bring them in, to choose that group carefully. No street preachers allowed. Okay? No soapbox street pe- preachers allowed because that can do more damage than anything. We saw this happen. We had a group here, one of our groups, that had a guy coming who was a friend of one of the guys, and, and he was not a believer, but he was interested in Jesus, and he liked what he heard. He'd come here on a weekend, he liked kind of the vibe and the, the word, and so he w- started going to this group, and he was really interested in asking insightful questions. And one week, one of the members decided to go street preacher on him. He brought up questions, and they boom, 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 you got this, got this, boom, 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 boom. Guy never came back. Never came back. Remember, this is life and death. What we're dealing with here matters. It's life and death. So when we talk about bringing someone into our community, give them space. How long do you think it takes someone who's not a follower of Jesus, doesn't believe in Jesus, maybe they call themselves an atheist, but they're starting to like something about these Jesus people, and they find something interesting in Jesus as they're presenting. How long do you think it takes for that person to come to faith, to really process their questions and And begin to follow Jesus a year? Is that unreasonable? For someone to make a complete life change? Sometimes, maybe, they're ready and they fall on their knees and they accept Jesus, and that's awesome. But a lot of times, take six months, a year, year and a half. Are we willing to be a place where people can come and take that time and consider this Savior who's changed our lives? See, bringing people to Jesus is always done in community. And the last thing is so important Invite seekers into come as you are learning spaces. Invite seekers into come as you are learning spaces. Now, as I told you, come as you are doesn't mean dress casually or you can wear shorts. Okay? Come as you are means come as you are. You're separated from God? Come as you are. Your marriage is a train wreck? Come as you are. You're gay with your partner? Come as you are. (gasps) Can we do that? Jesus did he's the one we follow, I guess we can. The question is, will we? Are we able, willing and able, River City, to be a come-as-you-are learning space to where people who are far from God, who are different than us, could come and they wouldn't feel everyone going, Ooh, oh yeah, which one doesn't belong? You. <laughs> can we be, can we be that place? That's a challenge. Because churches often like to be, but, but we want to be the place where everybody's like us to reinforce our us-ness. And I just want to say, that's not the role of the church. And, and, and I understand that there's, there's a lot of pieces. I, I, don't, think that I don't think it's some bad kind of dislike of other people. I don't think there's hatred in anybody's heart in, in wanting to have a place where, where our values are upheld and modeled. I don't think it's bad. I just think our our core value should be love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And our, our second core value should be love our neighbor as ourself. And that includes the come as you are crowd. Can we be a place like that? Can we be a place here at this fellowship? See, here's the deal. Not only can we be, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be Here. Because there's some people who just aren't going to come to church. They've had a bad experience. They're not coming to your church with you. Okay? I don't care how much you ask. I don't care if it's an amphitheater. They're not going to come. But they will come to a little discussion group gathering at your office. And you're like, oh, I don't know what I do. Do you realize we put our whole service on live stream? If you think this message or this thing would be helpful, we put our whole service. It's live stream. And, and then it's on Facebook, on our page. So you could literally open your home, have five people over, and you've just created a "Come as You Are" learning space. And if you think our message and our culture would be helpful, show the live stream. If you don't want the whole live stream, we've got the sermons on the app and in the in the uh, in the app and on reallife.org. So you can you can use that resource. Maybe you have something else that would be a helpful discussion starter. Maybe you're comfortable you got a, a, a curriculum or a book that you think would be helpful for you all to go through, but it's a come-as-you-are learning space. No judgment. A safe place for people to come and find out more about Jesus. It's clearly about Jesus, but it's a safe space. Can we be that kind of place, River City? I think we can. And see, you got to understand, this whole thing, it is not about making people more like me. You understand that? You're like, no, we get that, Sean. It's not like making people more like you. But not like you either. It's about helping people come to know and follow Jesus, isn't it? It's all about Jesus. I I don't care if people come and go, oh, that's such a great church. I mean, I hope people think we're a great church. but, But my biggest concern is that they go, what an amazing God they serve. And next week is all about highlighting And pointing people to Jesus, because Jesus is the one who changed my life. And he's the one who changed your life, isn't it? It's all about him.
0: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, Us and Them, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org.